Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 207. It's week 10 review. Man, week 10 was fun. Uh, Great NFL games going down to the wire, including what some people are calling the best game of the year so far. I think that's a little bit of an overstatement, but it sure was fun on Sunday for sure. More on that in a moment. Uh, Fantasy scoring was down overall too. And so most games were, you know, pretty tight. I think are going to get decided Monday night uh, before I'm recording this. I'm recording this Monday afternoon before Monday night. So I know for me, six of my nine Dynasty games are going to come down to what happens on Monday night. Should be a fun watch. Pretty fun week, uh, definitely, from an NFL and a Dynasty and Fantasy perspective. So after following all the Week 10 games, I'm going to give you some of my Dynasty observations from this week, as well as talk about some waiver wire pickups. Actually, an intriguing waiver wire this week after several weeks of not being so great. And then uh, talk about two trades that took place in my leagues this week, one of which was my own. I'm excited about. So let's just talk overall. Week number 10, observations. First observation I'd make from Thursday night is I would call it time for a change. Time for a change. Marcus Mariota, uh, he managed to produce for fantasy teams on Thursday night, but it was his worst game of the year from an NFL perspective for sure. His performance is so bad that I think it's time for Atlanta to move on Desmond Ritter. Give him his first start next week. Ritter looked much better as a passer in the preseason, but Mariota had more experience and, you know, is a far better runner. So Atlanta named him the starter, which really made sense. But uh, surprisingly, though, what was wild is that they've actually played well as a team and they've stayed in contention in the playoffs in a terrible division. So it really made sense to keep Mariota as the starter. The, you know, even though Mariota's play really wasn't what was happening to Atlanta's success. But after his terrible, terrible throwing performance on Thursday, I really think Atlanta needs to see what they have and Ritter and give him a chance to unlock the production of Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who are just so underutilized right now. As athletic and broad as they are, they still can't make up for the off-target passes that they continue to receive from Mariota. I think, you know, he was a great bounce-back story for a short time, but I do think it's time to give Ritter his opportunity. Coaching staff has said that they're not going to make that change, which is pretty disappointing for me, but I think it's time to do it. I wish they would have done it now that he has 10 days to prepare since they played on Thursday to kind of get ready for the next week, but so far reports are that this is not going to happen, but man, I really think it should, and I want to see its effects on London and Pitts when or if they do. Next thing I'd say, let's go ahead and talk about this game of the week, or as some people called it, the game of the season. Less of a dynasty take here, but just to you know, talk with fans of the sport, you know, fans of the NFL, just to watch that end of the game was so fun. If you weren't aware, I don't know why you're listening because you're not really a dynasty freak if you weren't aware, but man, the end of that game was just so fun. Um, Cousins threw a desperation path. I think it was on fourth down and Justin Jefferson hauls in one of the, you know, uh, craziest catches of the season between multiple defenders to keep the game alive. And then uh, Cousins fails to get in the end zone on fourth and goal on a quarterback sneak. So Buffalo takes back over basically at the like a one inch line where Josh Allen promptly fumbles the next stamp, the next snap on his quarterback sneak. And the Vikings take over, take it and recover it for a touchdown. 
But then Josh Allen gets a ball back with like 41 seconds left, and then he leads them down to a game-tying field goal to send it to overtime. The Vikings get close, but only manage a field goal. So the Bills have a chance to tie or win it on their next possession, drive down the field, get in the red zone, but then Allen carelessly throws another interception in the end zone, kind of sealing the game for the Vikings. Now, the Vikings have been incredibly lucky, or you might say they're incredibly good uh, for the last seven weeks, seven weeks in a row now. Each of them won score games. They've won them all. And so pretty wild. So not really a lot of dynasty takes here, but just let's all celebrate that moment together as dynasty fans. That really was a fun game. I would fall short of calling it. I think we have a little bit of a, a little short-sightedness when we say it was the game of the year, but it was pretty fun to watch settle down to the wire and two great teams. Um, pretty pretty fun. Next, if we talk about that as the game of the week, I have to talk about this as the player of the week, and I've already talked about him too much. I've talked about Justin Fields several times over the last few weeks, so I'm not going to carry on about him again. But just to say that he really was the player over the week again, scoring nearly 40 fantasy points. He was a game winner for the second week in a row. He's now on pace to have the most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season, passing Lamar Jackson. Crazy. The Bears' defense is terrible, which is keeping fields and shootouts that boost his fantasy output. All the young quarterbacks, of all of them, it feels like Fields is the one that looks like he's going to take the, you might call it the Josh Allen leap, or maybe this year, the Jalen Hurts leap. They're making the leap. It looks like Fields is the one of all these young quarterbacks that's going to do it. Pretty awesome. I don't have him on a single roster, which is so frustrating, and now I know I can't get him because he's going to cost too much. Uh, What a great six weeks in a row uh, by Fields. Just want to mention him one more time because it was so special. Hey, let's talk one more point. I'll call this Saturday on Sunday. Everyone's making the pun, but I had to do it myself too. Uh, Everyone, including myself, thought the Raiders, as bad as they are, would trounce the team whose head coach and play caller started their jobs this week. (laughs) Well, amazingly, we were wrong. The only thing that I did right this week was responding very quickly to the news uh, that broke uh, before kickoff that Matt Ryan was going to start the game and not Sam Ellinger. Upon hearing this news, I promptly threw Matt Ryan into my lineup in a super flex league uh, run where I really only had one starting quarterback. So this at least gave me two starting quarterbacks because uh, I didn't only have one after Ryan got benched. I moved also uh, real quickly on that move to take my Raiders defense out in one league and put the Cardinals in instead in one league. And Ryan's presence, they did it. He kind of lifted the tide of all the Colts players and Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. They each received nine targets. Jonathan Williams had his best game of the year in this disappointing season. And sadly, uh, this move that happened right there at the end where, where Ryan was being, being named the starter, the one thing I didn't do is I didn't put Taylor back in my lineup in the one league where I have him. I took kind of a wait and watch. I want to see it first approach. And sadly, I did. I got to wait and watch, and I got to see him score 23 points while he was on my bench. And now I'm in a dogfight in a game on Monday night to see what happens if I can win that league where I'm at the top of the league. Pretty frustrating. Yeah, if uh, Saturday keeps coaching this way on Sundays, pun, 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 (laughs) the Colts studs, uh, Taylor, Pittman, uh, they're startable players again. And then even Paris Campbell, while healthy, uh, he could really hope to revive his career. Now, we got to also take a little step back from a dynasty perspective and realize that Ryan or Ellinger are not the long-term solution for Indianapolis. So the dynasty value of all the Colts players is a little less certain uh, just because they have, you know, they don't have a young and improving quarterback like some other teams do. But at least they're back to being relevant because, man, if they were just going to go with Ellinger, so sad for my Longhorn, I'll say it. He's my Longhorn and just did not look good in those starts. And so if he was going to continue to be the starter, man, that was going to damper everybody. 
with Ryan back in there, and maybe even with Saturday being the new head coach, maybe we've got some uh, fantasy viability with these players going going forward. Next thing I'll comment on, I'll just call it fresh minds. Fresh minds, man. It's been a joy to watch the Vikings and the Dolphins thrive in the direction of their new offensive-minded head coaches. Uh, Kevin O'Connell and Mike McDaniel are a welcome sight to dynasty managers who want to see their best players on the teams just get fed. Just get fed, which is precisely what they're doing. Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson are ranked the number one and number two targets, respectively, in, in the league right now, including a bye week for Jefferson. So if you took per average, it would be Jefferson even ahead of Tyree Kill. But here you've got these two new coaches that have just said, these are the guys that we're going to feed. I love it. And then their secondary targets are also getting fed. Jalen Waddell is the 16th most targeted wide receiver in the league. And then Dalvin Cook, he's the 11th most um, touches for a running back, averaging 18.6 touches per game. These are the four best players on their teams. And these two new coaches are knowing how to feed them. Kirk Cousins, Tua Tagovailoa, they are reaping the result. They responded well to these new offensive systems right now. As a result, the Vikings and the Dolphins stand at top of their divisions, too, from an NFL perspective, man. It's just fun. It's fun to see great coaches come in and succeed, especially uh, when it leads to greater fantasy success as well. Next comment I'll mention in the sad game that my Dallas Cowboys lost, I'll call it All is Forgiven. Christian Watson, if you remember, he dropped a sure touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers on the very first play of his in the NFL. His very first play in the NFL drop. Well, Rodgers, known to hold a grudge, he's the one that said, hey, it's all forgiven because on Sunday, Watson caught three touchdown passes from Rodgers. He's the latest rookie to break out in this year's class, which is just a delight to fantasy managers who've been questioning maybe spending that first round pick on Watson like they did. This week, Watson received 84% of the Packers snaps after receiving no more than 32% after that week one drop. Uh, he has an open window right now with his fellow rookie, Romeo Dubs, um, sidelined with an injury. He's made the most of it on Sunday afternoon for sure. I'm sure you know that he wasn't started, except maybe in the deepest of leagues this last week, but now he's going to be a player that you need to consider starting again. Uh, beyond that, from a dynasty perspective, it's really fun to see this happen. I know in my rankings, because Watson just was not improving or not proving anything, every week this season, Dobbs has kind of crept up a little bit more in my dynasty rankings until I actually, this last week, I think maybe it's two weeks ago, I moved him ahead of Watson for the first time. But after this performance on Sunday, I definitely need to move Watson back ahead of Dobbs. Uh, they could be a great duo in the future, but that's all depending, uh, depending on who's throwing them passes in the years to come, because it's not going to be Rodgers for too much longer. Anyway, it's fun, so fun to see, you know, one of our rookies that you drafted in the first round break out and have his first great game. All is forgiven from Roger's standpoint. Christian Watson, he's going to get a lot of targets here at the end of the season. Next thing I'd say is uh, Julio all over again. I'm sad and afraid to say that I fear Keenan Allen may be the next Julio Jones, especially since Allen is one of my most rostered players. It's so frustrating for me. Allen has killed many of my teams this year with his prolonged soft tissue injury, just as Julio Jones did this to managers over the last few seasons. Julio was one of the, one of the players that um, the players that I had on my rosters uh, that I made me more willing to bail on older players uh, once they get you know those repetitive soft tissue issues issues. I didn't do it with Julio, and now I'm in the, stuck in the same spot where I wish Allen 
I could have done it with Allen. His his injuries earlier in his career were more severe, but in recent years he's just been on the you know questionable list week after week after week. It's just driving me crazy. And so just like Julio over the last few years, he's been uh, just terrible and hard to rely on. He's been a terrible player to have on rosters, and I fear that he may have lost his last sell high point, which is pretty frustrating. In a lot of my leagues, I saw Julio sold at the right time, like kind of off a sell high right there near the end of his career. And now I've got Allen on so many of my rosters that I don't think there might be that sell high moment. I sure hope that it happens because if he could bounce back and finally maybe at the end of the season make something happen before a trade deadline and try to sell him off to another team, I'm going to be eager to do so, even though he's one of my most favorite players. Julio all over again. No, what's happening to Keenan Allen? Next, I'll call it a crowded house. This was pretty frustrating. Crowded house. Elijah Mitchell returned from IR on Sunday night and immediately cut under the workload of Christian McCaffrey, CMC. Man, of all the other starters on fantasy. Pretty frustrating. I love watching Mitchell run. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just not too fond of his return and the return's impact that he has on CMC, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. Uh, Dynasty managers wanted CMC to get all of the work and carry fantasy teams into championships, but his scoring ceiling drops considerably if Sunday night uh, is, you know, a a sight of what, you know, what's to come. It could be a sight of what's to come that they're going to spell him and have this kind of two-back approach. I've been saying for weeks, weeks, weeks that Kittle and Debo are hardly startable uh, given their limited number of targets and touches uh, this season. Either of them could have a breakout game for sure, be kind of a game-winning fantasy performance, but they're no longer consistent floor plays, which is frustrating. It's a very crowded house now in San Francisco, much to the disappointment of dynasty managers pushing toward their playoffs with uh, just the thought now that CMC might not be that guy to carry him over, and now that Elijah Mitchell's back, everyone's cutting into the work of everyone. It's a crowded house and, and for the 49ers. Pretty frustrating. Finally, by way of observation, I'll call it a clean slate, or you might call it, I like puns, we'll call it a clean slate ton. <laughs> the, the Giants wide receivers depth chart, it's been a mess all season for sure, but Darius Slayton uh, has a clean slate, and every opportunity, he, every opportunity he has, he could become the wide receiver one, although it's on a run-heavy offense. Over the last five weeks, he's received seven, three, six, six, and four targets. He's scored nine or more fantasy points in four of the last five weeks. He's had the highest snap count of the season on Sunday with 80% of the snaps, the highest percent that he has among the wide receivers on the team, and then his 54-yard touchdown reception led to a 17-point fantasy day. I remember way back after week five, I recommended Slayton as a waiver-wire addition and added him to almost all of my rosters in all my leagues. I can't remember the amount of fab that I bid on him in one league, but one league I was definitely, you know, when you do that fab bid, you could do like a high bid, and you're like way higher than the next highest bidder. Well, that happened to me, and I definitely got a little bit of ribbing on the on the group chat because of my high bid on him. Hey, but now I'm happy to say I've got someone like Slayton on my roster. Uh, he's only startable for sure in deep you know, leagues with four or five receiver slots right now, but he's also a young player with no superstar ahead of him on the roster, and that means that he could really see his dynasty value increase, and I think it likely will. Likely will. Um, that is, unless my top wide or my top uh, waiver wire target this week has something to say about it. Good transition there. Let's talk about waiver wire. And remember that I do play in leagues of 300 to 360 players are rostered. True dynasty leagues, so there's definitely better players than this if you're not in a true dynasty league. But if you are, here's the players that I'm actually trying to add to my rosters this week. 
The first one is Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins played 62% of the snaps for the Giants on Sunday and was the third most, um, that was the third most among wide receivers for the Giants, even after Kenny Galladay uh, returned healthy. It was, it was crazy to see that they just went to him again. Coach uh, Dayball was spotted saying afterward in his press conference that they thought Hodgins was the better player to play than Galladay. Unbelievable how fast Galladay has fallen off a cliff. I love him. Uh, he was drafted by the Bills. Hodgins was drafted by the Bills in the sixth round, but he just never cracked the starting lineup after the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, added free agents like uh, Cole Beasley, and then they invested far more draft capital in receivers, uh, like in, in, even in Hodges' draft class with Gabe Davis. But then subsequent drafts too, they've also drafted players ahead of the sixth round value with Hodgins. So he just kind of fell by the wayside and now he's landed with the Giants. Hodgins was an extremely productive player at Oregon State. That's why I liked him. He had 1,171 yards receiving, 13 touchdowns in his final season. And now he's landed on a Giants team without any wide receiver one. Not established. Like I said, Slayton might be trying to establish himself there. So I'm intrigued enough to see if my sleeper hopes of him in this draft class of 2020 could actually come true here a couple years later. I'm excited about it. Hodges, I'm definitely going to try to add to most of my leagues this year, or this week, rather. Next would be Nick Westbrook-Akina. Uh, he had two touchdowns and 119 yards receiving on Sunday. Those 63 of his yards and one of those touchdowns came via trick play when he was just wide, stinking open. Still, uh, since the Titans' bye week, he's leading the team in snaps at the wide receiver position, and he's held off Traylon Burks after he returned from IR this week. Now, we all know that Burks is too high of a draft capital you know, to run behind Westbrook Akina for too long. But Westbrook Akina could certainly pass Robert Woods in the line in the lineup. He really has. And he, he really could. Um, since their bye week, he has. Uh, Tennessee's run-first approach can't make him a superstar, but he could grow into a role that makes him, you know, a startable player in deep leagues where you play four to six receivers in your starting lineups, just the deepest of leagues. I might consider adding Akina back uh, to my lineups like I've done in the past, he's been off and off, off and on in my lineups uh, for quite some time. Whereas Hodgins dropped off my lineups quite a while ago. He's still the player that I want to most add back. There's just two trades that I'll talk about that took place in my leagues. One was one that I made. Uh, one was a pretty curious one that was made in another league uh, that's very active. You want to see what Dynasty Freaks are thinking when they make trades because it helps you put some value on your players. So that's why I like to share about what happened with my trades. Two dimension, um, I traded for Dalvin Cook and I gave away Javante Williams. Big trade. I made this contender trade, I'm a contender in this league, to acquire Cook in a league where I'm confident that I have one of the top rosters. The other team's rebuilding, so he was happy to get five years younger at the running back position and hope to improve his team, hoping that Williams comes back fine from his injuries. But sometimes players don't come back well from ACL injuries. J.K. Dobbins, kind of an example from this last year, I love Williams. I'm going to miss the five years of production that I traded away by adding Cook, but my roster is really stacked in this league, and so I decided to take the risk and just make a run at it this year. My studying roster in this one quarterback league is now this. Lamar Jackson, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Mark Andrews, flex positions, Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster, and DeForman after I traded for him last week, which I talked about. I'm a contender. I pushed all my chips in on this league, so stay tuned. I'll keep you up to date. Next trade was a curious one that took place. The only other one that took place in my leagues this week was Kareem Hunt was traded for Marcus Mariota in a one-quarterback league. Interesting. Hunt for Mariota. 
This trade was a desperate one made by a team in a one-quarterback league that did not have a starting quarterback this week due to injuries and bye weeks. If he were a competitive team, uh, like I talked about last week, one of one of the leagues in the same, actually the same league, someone tried to trade for Jared Goff just to get a quarterback because they didn't have a quarterback, uh, just to try to win one more week. But that team was nine and zero. This team is zero and nine. So I don't understand why he would give up Hunt for Mariota rather than just take a zero. Uh, he'd be better off losing uh, or playing without a quarterback. I've not spoken with him about it, but perhaps he thought for anti-tanking sake that he needed to have a starting quarterback in his lineup because we don't allow illegal lineups in this league. Uh, Still, his roster circumstances wouldn't violate that. And I'm the commissioner of this league. If he didn't start a starting quarterback because they were all injured or on buys, that's not the same thing as tanking and starting a crap lineup, in my opinion. I'm just sad that I was busy when he first offered me the trade hunt for Daniel Jones when I already have uh, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray as my starting quarterbacks in this one quarterback league. Um, I would have been happy to give away Jones to get Hunt, particularly because I have Nick Chubb on that roster as well. Uh, The only additional information that may have been a factor in contributing to this trade was the team that did acquire Mariota also has Desmond Ritter. So maybe they just wanted to kind of hedge their bets there after that Thursday night game. Or no, this was before the Thursday night game this this trade was made. A little more understandable if you've got Mariota on your team. Uh, I mean, if you've got uh, Desmond Ritter on your team. But still, pretty curious trade. All right, week number 10 is in the books. It's fun. Getting time to start moving toward the playoffs. Maybe some trade deadlines happening. It's going to be a fun next couple weeks. That's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better uh, on email than Twitter, so please contact me that way. I say it every week, but I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Someone did that that week. This this last week, someone did that. It means a lot to me. I uh, appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.